As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! The definitive Barclays Premier League 11. What Peter Drury hates about football. The transfer rumour phenomenon that is Julian Draxler. The most comprehensive ever examination of the words, the game's gone. Philippe Mexes and the pure Champions League 11. How to be a co-commentator, a.k.a. the Lulu effect. Tom Rosenthal hates you shouting tactical advice from the stands. Greater Goldmouth, getting in and around with Doc Brown. The precise psychology of Sunday League. Games Masters Dominic Diamond. When does a footballing mat become a matty? Two minutes and 20 seconds of just David Seaman chuckling. And the greatest moment in football podcasting history. Brought to your ears in 2021 by The Athletic. This is part one of the very best of football cliches. Twenty twenty one kicked off with an ambitious undertaking as Charlie Eccleshare and Nick Miller joined me to select the definitive Barclays Premier League eleven. Once we'd nailed down our bald American goalkeepers, giant hapless centre halves, set piece specialists, and defensive midfield enforcers signed off the back of a 7 out of 10 major tournament, there was one man, perhaps the most Barkley striker of all, who I was determined to find a place for up front. Charlie, I want one of my strikers to be a flash in the pan import, and to me, that screams only one name, and that's Amazaki. Come on! Amazaki, who I remember. A friend of mine at that time debating whether to get him in his fantasy team. And we had a long debate as to whether he... This was when he had like absolutely you know, set the world alight. And we had a long debate as to whether he was going to be a flash in the pan. I'd like to think I was on the side of the debate that was saying he absolutely will be a flash in the pan. But it's perfectly possible I would say, no, no, this guy's, this guy's the real deal. Um, but yes, he, he is really the gold standard for that. I mean, kind of 
scoring seemingly a couple of goals every game and then just completely fell off. He ticks a lot of boxes, Nick, because, again, instant impact from for an unfashionable club came from sort of seemingly nowhere. Was con- I th- I'm fairly sure he was reasonably popular uh, amongst the fans of his club and, you know, onlookers. And then sort of went out in a, in a in a blaze of controversy or at least quiet controversy. So he ticked so many boxes. But just to rubber stamp his flash in the pandas, I distinctly remember a few years ago stumbling across his Instagram page. And the last post on his Instagram page, which, which had been about sort of three or four years previously, was him playing for Wigan, winning a corner. And then that was the clip, him winning a corner for Wigan. And then underneath the caption, never give up. <laughs> I mean, was he even was he even chasing a lost cause or was it? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, he was a prime chaser of lost causes, mm. uh, bustling. But what just, was? Yeah, because didn't he? What was his controversy? I mean, didn't he have one of those classic that he refused to come back mid-season yeah, or yeah, something exactly. like that? Yeah, refused yeah, to come yeah, back yeah, from international okay. duty. That's mid-season. crucial. Yeah. yeah, which is which is so Barclays' behaviour. It's, it's, yeah. it's like it's in your contract as a Premier League footballer in the late two thousands to not come back from international duty. At some point, well, also isn't there a, isn't there a Barclays thing as well with the you know thinking like Rubinho as well that what happens mm. is you're really good for the first few months, but then yeah. as the winter months set in, mm. you don't much like the climate and you go home, be it for a holiday, yeah. a perfectly granted holiday, or an international, and you don't really much fancy coming back. <laughs> Which I think people are kind of yeah, expecting it's... what happened to Hammers in a sort of modern uh, yeah. twist on that fable. Can't get away with that in 2021. It's that's no. pure 2008 behaviour. We were delighted to welcome Peter Drury to the Clichés pod in January for his Mesut Harland Dicks, in which the eternal football romantic finally got off his chest what he hates about the game. Number one, fatuous statistics mm-hmm. about so-and-so have a dreadful record against the Big <laughs> Six. Results against the Big Six is nothing, because the Big Six is different every, you know, Chelsea can drop out of it, Arsenal weren't in it last year. Big six, tosh. It makes me weep a little bit inside when I see teams wearing colours that bear no relation at all to their history, their standing, their place in our memories and in our hearts. People begin from the position that the referee is an idiot, he's wrong, he's here to spoil my day. Yeah. Uh, I think is a real stain on football from top to bottom. Charlie and Nick join me again to thrash out the Transfer Rumour 11, a team of players who seemingly have only ever existed in transfer gossip columns, permanently linked with a move to the Premier League, only to miss the boat again and again and again. With this in mind, one man stood out in our sought-after midfield. Julian Draxler, who I think is a very good example of a player linked so incessantly and so feasibly with a Premier League club that he has essentially now played for them. Julian Draxler has had a promising spell at Arsenal where he was considered to be the the answer to all their problems and then fell away and then... And yeah, I, th- I think if that was just added to his Wikipedia page, no one could really object to it. Yeah, completely. The, you know, the, the, the 12 goals in 38 appearances, I think we'd be like, yeah, that... Good return. That, yeah, feels realistic enough. Let's, mm. let's not query that. I'm not even sure it needs citation. He's the sort of peak of the, the genre of players who are linked... The fans of that club don't really know anything about him, but they 
Exactly. decide with absolute certainty that he's the answer to all of their problems exactly and 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 I, I don't think that's a bad phenomenon i think it's it's it ties in with just it being good to dream i mean mm. i don't think you should know everything about the players your your clubs are signing and a lot of the time it's championship manager and fifa and stuff which again is, is perfectly good way of consuming football and and getting an idea of what a players like so i i will never i would never um I would never battle against that. But three more names for you, Nick. Strootman, Milinkovic-Savic, Hamsik. In February, George Culkin joined the podcast to dissect a cultural footballing phenomenon, one which very possibly peaked in 2021 between VAR controversies and the European Super League outrage, providing so much material that we created a genre-defining games gontage. Before we delve under the surface of, of this concept, George and Charlie, I feel it's important to refresh our memory of what it sounds like when someone has lost all hope in the future of football. The, game yeah. is, the game's gone. The game's gone. Yeah. The game's gone. It's just the game's gone. But the game's gone. If that is a red card, the game's gone. The game's gone, isn't it? I mean, yeah, a lot. the game's I gone, Daryl. What's going on? The game's gone. Game has gone. The game's gone. Jason, you might disagree with me. I Why is think, this, Rob? What I think mean? the game's gone. What's wrong with them? Game's gone, and it get outside. It's only water. <laughs> oh, the game's ah, gone. Ah, <laughs> it's fantastic. It's a different game now. <laughs> the game's officially gone. <laughs> George, let, let, let's 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 plant our flags in the land right now. On a scale of say Danny Baker circa nineteen ninety two to Danny Baker circa twenty twenty one, how gone do you think the game is? Oh, I think the game has gone. I mean, the game has gone big time. The game is the game is completely gone. The really? game has gone. Yeah. Uh, having listened to that clip, I think it's important that we nail how to deliver your game's gone. You have to get the tone of it right. Um, there are so many ways it seems that you can deliver it, but I feel like um, Redknapp uh, has occasionally got it right. He says, "If that's a red card, the game's gone. The game's gone." Yeah, I think the weary resignation is important. Mm. Uh, the game's gone. Game's gone. The next set of footballers to be forcibly shoehorned into a cliches eleven were the cream of the continental crop, a lineup of players who encapsulate everything about the modern era of European football, from hapless Russian goalkeepers to bland UEFA-approved playmakers. This was the pure Champions League eleven, and this man was at the heart of its defence. I feel I want to lay down the law here. I want my weedy hard man, so we're going to have Godin because he's been around for ages. Yeah. Good top-level player. Um, enough of the dark arts without becoming sort of cartoonish about it, which I think I have to say will count Pepe out. I don't want pantomime villains in my Champions League eleven, um, but what I do want is someone who's so been around for so long and has been sort of widely accepted as being good, but just sort of bleeding into your consciousness without really knowing. And that's where I think your Varans and your Mexes is come in. I think Mexes out of those two. I, I think, think it's, Mex- got, it's got to be Mexes, isn't it, Jack? Yeah. Yeah, Max says for um incredible durability. Like he was so remember when he, he first came he first came through, was he playing for Ozer with Shibusise yeah. in yeah, like yeah. two thousand? And then twenty years later you'd still see Christ, is he still playing for Roma? Because yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think being <sighs> look at him go. Yeah, but like being this kind of young star, yeah. this kind of highly rated youngster, it's part of the Champions League journey. And then ten years later you, you you've taken your eye off them completely and yet they're still there. And you think, well, I wonder how old he is. He was good, wasn't he? So yeah, I think Mex says he's perfect for this. Also, because mm. he missed out on the transfer gossip at 11. So I feel like we, we mm. owe him. So go Dean and Mex says. Next up, in the pursuit of what it means to be a supreme co-commentator, I introduce my comprehensively researched theory of the Lulu effect, 
This explains how the Andy Greys of this world wait for their moment without needing to be queued up and ride the crest of the post-goal wave. The thing about Andy Gray's co-commentary was because he had such an established partnership with Martin Tyler. And a lot of his kind of iconic commentaries come down to timing. Martin Tyler, I mean, this is all fairly textbook. Martin Tyler has called the goal. There'll be a kind of brief moment for us all to savour the moment. And then Andy Gray will launch into his version of events. Now, it got me thinking that dynamic, you know, showcased most effectively by Andy Gray was incredibly similar to how a secondary artist in a song will suddenly join in for the bridge out of almost seemingly nowhere to devastating effect. A little bit like Lulu in Relight My Fire by Take That. It's the same thing. It's the same phenomenon. Well, he didn't score, but what a part he played. And the man I'm talking about is the name of the man. He's wearing everyone's lips. That's him. He does it time and time and time again. Charlie, I'm onto something. The Lulu effect is, is a thing, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's that that chemistry. It's the timing. Like, like that's what I was talking about before, you know, with the goals. It's the it's the not having to necessarily say, like, Andy Gray, you know, what did you think of that? It's the it happens and then the other just kind of slides in without you noticing perfectly. Yeah, it's my turn. Yeah, it's, it's seamless. my time. Yeah. In March, actor and comedian Tom Rosenthal joined us to share his Mesut Harland dicks, including his distinct hatred of one very specific form of live football crowd participation. Any tactical advice shouted by any fan in any stadium, I get absolutely furious <laughs> when anyone stands up and says anything like, why don't you pass? Why don't you shoot? At the Emirates, it's probably worse than most stadiums. Yeah, people I complain after like three minutes for doing the wrong pass, the wrong shot. But it doesn't happen. You don't go to the Olympics and shout at the sprinters, go, why aren't you running faster? Do you know what I mean? It's just ridiculous. (laughs) It's stupid. Stop it. Just enjoy it. They're amazing. They might have made a mistake. They might have misassessed the situation, but they definitely know better than you. Shut up. We we have some things that our listeners have overheard in that vein at live football matches. Um, Sam says, not advice for the team necessarily, but I heard a Spurs fan shout at Pochettino from the top of Wembley to use your whole technical area. Not a clue what you mean. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Jack, tell me what that could possibly mean. Wow. Meanwhile, in a truly mind-blowing moment, it turned out we've been taking the pronunciation for the area in and around the six-yard box for granted all this time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Greater Goldmouth. Please dive carefully. Listener Alexis X writes in. I don't know what the statute of limitations is on this one, but anyway, during one of Arsenal's um, Europa League games, the commentator, he thinks it's Ian Dark, spoke of a lack of goalmouth action, but he pronounced goalmouth like Bournemouth. I know it's a <laughs> while ago, but I felt it shouldn't pass unnoticed. Goldmouth. <laughs> <laughs> It's a designated uh, sort of 
uh, unitary area of uh, of, a, of a football pitch now. It's got its own postcodes. It's got its own kind of you know, MP or something like that. It is Gulmouth. I just... The subtlest um, deviation of a pronunciation of word has never thrown me completely as, as much as this, Charlie. Golmuth, do you think it'd ever catch on? I remember someone, I can't remember what it was once saying Frontman, um, <laughs> as if, you know, his name was like Gary Frontman. <laughs> which similarly really tickled me. And I hope there is a, a striker out there whose surname is Frontman. It's, it's in a sort of similar family to there was, there was an episode of um, Comedies in Cars Getting Coffee where Jerry Seinfeld was absolutely fascinated with someone pronouncing it rye bread. Um, <laughs> and it's in this kind of similar family to that, this kind of mm. odd intonation that brings a sort of whole new life to the, to the phrase. I mean, it's, there's, a, there's some logic there. I mean, we use the word fairly often. Perhaps it should become a bit more efficient. Maybe Goldmouth is. Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah. as you put it, it is a destination. It is an area of the pitch. <laughs> I'm going to start pioneering it. From now on, I'm going to pronounce Goldmouth. Goldmouth. If Could it wasn't a, gr- Ian Dark, sorry for implicating him in this scandal, but uh, if it was him, also kudos. Could there be like Greater Goldmouth as well? <laughs> that area sort of... <laughs> Like exactly. a semicircle outside the area, maybe. Yeah, that's that's a really that's a really nice. Yeah, the D. I don't. I mean, for some, I mean, the D is yeah. okay, but to write the D is a completely different kettle of fish. I just, mm. it, it can't be written down. So maybe Greater Goldmouth is. <laughs> that's it. We should petition petition the lawmakers to to have that changed. Yeah, Ellery will be up for that. I'm sure he sounds like someone who probably would say Greater Goldmouth. Um, thank <laughs> you to Alexis X. That was um, that really was quite wonderful. Our next visitor for Mesut Harland Dix was rapper, comedian, actor and writer Ben Bailey-Smith, a.k.a. Doc Brown, who just couldn't believe Martin Tyler's preoccupation with Emil Smith-Rowe's nickname and then gave one venerable footballing phrase, both barrels. This has been this has been a slight preoccupation of mine, but not as much of a preoccupation as it has been for Martin Tyler, Charlie. This is... Um, well, he just, I he think just, we, I know where you're going yeah, with this. He, he just can't seem to shake this. Cue the clip. The Croydon De Bruyne. <laughs> the Croydon De Bruyne. There is Samuel Smith Rowe. What? AKA the Croydon De Bruyne. Oh my well, God. We are going to see the Croydon De Bruyne. Why does he keep calling him the Croydon De Bruyne? <laughs> like, it, it feels like it's a nickname that he's trying to push that no one yes. else is calling him. He's pushing it extremely hard. Yeah, when he came on, when uh, Smith Rowe came on the weekend I, and he did it then, because mm. I thought maybe someone would have had a word after that City game. <laughs> especially work. because the real... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because it, it, because the real De Bruyne was there, it was kind of like fair enough. You're really pushing this, but it became a bit of a thing. And I mm. thought someone might be like, maybe just go a little bit easy on the whole Croydon De Bruyne thing. It's not really catching on, but apparently not. Or he just over. Also, I think it's a little bit. I, I mean, football has a huge is- issue with this, doesn't it? But it's a little bit disrespectful because De Bruyne's mm. like right there. Like Smith Rowe's a sick player. He could yeah. be as good as De Bruyne. At any time, so it's the wrong kind of comparison. the The original would probably be the Rom for Pele, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Ray Parler, sort of self styled, and he often called himself that. And that that sort of as annoying as it is, it it works because Pele is a legendary player. Some argue the greatest player that ever lived, hmm. long since retired. And Ray Parler is Ray Parler, so it's like sort of funny. So they, they, you think they should be sort of disparate elements? Yeah. They should be as far like apart De Bruyne's still playing. They can play against each other, so that's mm. weird. Mm. And then why can't Smith Rowe be as good as De Bruyne in a couple of years? I, it just doesn't work for me. And I think that's why he, Tyler's the only one pushing it. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, my only theory about this is that Martin Tyler has created a YouTube compilation of, of Emil Smith Rowe's sort of best first touches and has called <laughs> it the Croydon de Bruyne. Just wants to keep pushing it out there, and that's the only. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it does need to stop. I think it's run its course. I feel bad <laughs> any time that we we even question Martin Tyler's commentary, but um, it, it just people really are picking up on it and saying, "Can he please stop doing it?" I think it was mainly related to the league table. Right. So Mm -hmm. you could legitimately say you want your team or you think this team should be in or or around the the top four or the big six or the top 10. You know, Mm -hmm. that's legitimate. You want your team to be in or around there. uh, Come come the business end of the season. Yeah, Um, (laughs) that's fine. But somehow it's mutated over the years to where we're at now in this shit show in 2021 where you can say in and around anything first of all it's gone from or to and right <laughs> so you're in and around yes so you're both okay yeah. so you're you want to be in and around so wait so you, do you want to be in the top four or fucking around it do you want to be in it or around <laughs> it where do you want to be it's That's in very or important. around not in and around looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. your ears by the athletic this is football cliches in april the cliches pod returned to its happy hunting ground of grassroots football and the surprisingly complex mind games and psychological warfare of sunday league it's not even politics i swear it's it's gamesmanship to make friends with the opposition striker yeah. i am totally on board with this i don't think you should have running battles i think you should get them on your side and have a laugh with them and that's when you get them in your pocket 100% i'm all i always try and do that you know i i i'm the last person 
who would want to be, and, and and my teammates would probably say this is a failing of my game, but who would want to be overly aggressive on, on, the, on the football pitch. And I enjoy just the friendly banter, the friendly chat. What's your, what's your opening gambit with an opposition striker? Because I, I never know what the league tables are. I can I never remember who's which team is what. Oh, so I, I'm always like, you doing okay this season? Are you, are you, yeah, are you getting, getting all right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to sort of find common ground with the ref because you're, I mean, as in when I'm talking to my opposition fullback, because you can cut, you know, you, he's like the common enemy. So you'll be, you know, you might say, I might say, I'm like, oh my God, he's just blowing up for everything today, isn't he? And then he'll be like, yeah, 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 he's shit, he's useless. We hate this ref. And so you're kind of, you've, you've got this common ground, you know, you're, you're both there to play football. So, and sometimes they're just absolutely not up for it. But most, most of the time, I think they, they also don't want a running battle. It's a good success rate. I think mm. the textbook, the textbook example actually for me is, so this isn't like the opening gambit often, but it's like, let's say my, my team has got a penalty, won a penalty, a dubious penalty. Mm. I'll often go, I, I <laughs> yeah. like just to go, mm, probably did dive a bit there, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it shows humility, mm. it, you know, yeah. And, it, and, and it's underlined by the fact that they can't do anything about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. It's not even sportsmanlike, but it does make me like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. probably yeah, probably was a bit Completely. soft. Because but... you're not going to go up to the referee and go, actually, yeah. that, that wasn't a penalty. <laughs> but you will secretly say to the striker, yeah, I got a bit lucky there. But um, sometimes, I, depending on who it is, I will go full self-deprecation straight in the first minute and say, mate, go easy on me. Don't go, to, don't run too quickly. <laughs> yeah. I haven't got much pace. And you know, that's a false sense of security situation. Let's see, let's see what they've got now. One more element of psychological weaponry in Sunday League. I feel like this is the defining moment. This is the most withering thing. We've already talked about he doesn't fancy it, he doesn't want it. And then this, um, this idea that if we get one, they will crumble. But when a game has completely gone out of sight, and the winning team will still turn the screw when someone on the other team deigns to have a shot from like 30 yards that goes nowhere. And they say all day. That, ruin, that ruins my entire weekend. Nothing, nothing, relatively speaking, in the English language can reduce me to a more furious ball of frustration than all day. <laughs> all day. All day. Let him do that all day. Let him do that. That's fine. Let him do that. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Let me shoot. Let me fucking shoot. It's fine. That's the whole point of football. Let's talk about halftime team talks. They are the, this melting pot of hot takes, Charlie. And and it's the first 30 seconds of halftime team talks, especially if you're losing, it's just kind of this maelstrom of people trying to offer their take, their kind of summary of the first half. And then one guy, not necessarily the captain, will rise above it all with his one big hot take of how that first 45 minutes went down and getting incredibly angry at everyone in general. I mean, it'll be like, they're shit, lads. These are shit. Like, you, you know, <laughs> these the sort are of like... Shit. Such a perfectly way of phrasing it as well. These are shit. These are shit, <laughs> lads. Um, we'll get chances against these. They're not that good. If that's, you know, if you're losing. You know, we're a few things away. Yeah. Picking the wrong it's gonna option. Come. It's going to yeah, come. It's composure. Yeah. It's taking a touch in front of goal. You know, all of this sort of thing. Yeah, it's going to come. That's the more sort of encouraging. Or what will it offer me is, well, is, you know, like, I'm watching the sidelines for half an hour. We're doing all right there. We're doing all right. There's no issue. Yeah. And, it, and then it's we're sort fine, of... Felt, we're I, fine. Yeah, I don't know what then happened the last 15... You know, the head's gone. We're still in this, boys. Next goal's got to be ours, which I do think to myself often, I'm like, the next goal's so crucial here. But that is so often the case. I mean, oh, it's, totally. it's actually it's actually pretty rare in a game of football. When would the next goal... I mean, you'd have to have like a four-goal lead for the next goal not to be really crucial. Well, I mean, there's, there's this kind of um, universal cliche in football, Dave, about the 2-0 being the most dangerous score in football. Um the psychological makeup of a Sunday League football team is so fragile 
that being 2-0 up is no guarantee, which makes me think that in, in almost every case of being 2-0 down at half-time, someone will say, if we get one goal, this lot are going to crumble. This lot, look at them. If we get one goal, Th- these are shit. <laughs> it's like, well, that's no guarantee. You're right. It is the fragility of the whole thing. It is always on a knife edge. Basically, two nil is basically nil nil in Sunday League most of the time. Like you need you need a three or four goal lead really to be able to to completely relax and you can feel that when you are 3-0 up or 4-0 up all of a sudden it's like Christ I feel like yeah, I feel like Beckenbauer here I'm just knocking it about yeah, left right centre give me the ball yeah I want it give me give me yeah, a short yeah, yeah. when it's, it's, when it's so tight true. just lump it get it away from me I don't <laughs> want it TV and radio presenter and former Games Master host Dominic Diamond was our next Mesut Harland Dick's guest but before he could reveal his loves and hates we needed him to help us with a very important question which football team is Line of Duty character DS Steve Arnott most likely to support? I got very curious about this, Charlie, and I asked our listeners who they think Steve Arnott's character actually supports. Elliot Sweeney says Arnott is probably a Charlton fan, but admits he doesn't follow them as much as he did when he was younger. <laughs> Dan Carney says I'm going for Spurs or Arsenal due to the Champions League bants with Steph. Yes, good logic again. Brandon, Steve Arnott definitely supports Spurs and there's no debating it. Tom says Steve is definitely a Spurs fan with a soft spot for Crawley. He also says for my sins every time he asks who he supports. <laughs> this is I love this detail. Um, Dominic, this is perhaps the defining answer from Jack Pierce. Arnott stinks of Spurs. His dad actually knew Steve Perryman back in the day so that he and Steve have had odd days in a corporate box. Normally third or fourth round cup games, but still a novelty and a good day out. Only been to the new stadium once, didn't like it. Yeah, and he, he wouldn't be able to fight. He's never been in that wonderful pub no. that was at the end of uh, of White Hart Lane that uh, Teddy Sheringham and his more colourful affiliates used to hang out in, which oh, really? I was lucky enough to sit at the table with back, back in the glorious days. Yeah, he knew he knew some top characters, Teddy did. Top I, North uh, London faces. At what point does a mat become a matty? The Football Clichés pod got disproportionately obsessed with Premier League mats in May. There are four, only four, oddly, confirmed mats in the Premier League. They're not Matthews, they're not Matties, they are mats. That's Matt Doherty of Spurs, Matt mm. Ritchie of Newcastle, Matt Macy of Arsenal, and Matt O'Reilly of Fulham, currently on loan at MK Dons. Now, the pattern there, Dave, is they all end in a kind of uh, vowely sound. And you can't have Matty Doherty, you can't have Matty Ritchie, you can't have Matty Macy, and you can't have Matty O'Reilly. No, they can't be met. They they are they are forbidden for becoming Matties. That must be Matty, Matty O'Reilly. Just sounds like a an Irish pub in New York, yep. or something. Matty Ritchie, X Factor winner, twenty eleven. Matty Ritchie. That's exactly right. That's exactly how you would say it. Matty Doherty, uh, featherweight boxer. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, Matty Macy. Um, uh, upcoming Formula 3 driver. <laughs> yeah. So none of those can be footballers. One of my personal highlights of the Euros was discovering midway through that David Seaman had started his own podcast. So what better way to celebrate than to painstakingly edit one of his episodes down to its one essential ingredient? With great affection, I took the liberty of editing his latest podcast down to only the chuckles. <laughs> 
So here, everybody, to play us out is two minutes and 20 seconds of David Seaman chuckling on his podcast. <laughs> it was interesting. Yeah, I love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I was actually filling a skip up last night. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> They're drunk when you get them. <laughs> <laughs> How you been? Do you know what? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that, Chico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> forget England's historic run to the final. Forget Italy's freewheeling triumph. Forget those little remote control cars that brought the match ball out before kickoff sometimes. Because the real highlight of the Euros this summer was the Football Clichés pod discovering the true origin of 66.6% of the opening samples to three Lions. What a moment this was, by the way. Charlie, if I said the UEFA Cup quarter-final second leg between Nottingham Forest and Bayern Munich on the 19th of March 1996, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to you? Well, I remember listening to that game on the radio. Really? Um, Wow. I remember... By, this is the second leg. I remember buying yeah. one five one, mm. um, real chastening evening mm. for Forrest Klinsman. Mm. Was Papa still there? Um, was he ever there? Klinsman. Um, Klinsman was the man in in. Klinsman. I remember coming. You know, the whole he'd been at Spurs the season before and came back. And actually, that team had a lot of the team that then went on to win Euro '96. Yeah. Well, of course, it was. It was a chastening season for English clubs in Europe, Dave. Manchester uh, Blackburn Rovers crashed out, I think we can safely say, oh, the, yeah. mm. of the Champions League. Manchester United went out to Rota Volgograd in the UEFA Cup. Peter Schmeichel scoring. Liverpool went out UEFA Cup to Bromby. Leeds mm. were thrashed by Piers V. Eindhoven. So, in summary, it was very much a fallow period for, for English clubs in Europe. Vintage English teams in Europe of that period, really. The haplessness. Yeah. I've, giving this the... 
very much a tantric build-up, this. <laughs> I'm so intrigued as to what this could possibly be. Yeah, just to give everyone a little bit of context, here is uh, from a few episodes ago on Football Clichés. This is, um, this is something we were talking about. Three Lions Fever got to such a stage. Um, friend of the show, The Telegraph's Tom Gibbs, challenged me to try and find the original audio for the punditry at the start of Three Lions, which I thought would be an easy job. I couldn't find any of it. I feel like it's it, Dave. It's the it's the YouTube holy grail. But if if anyone could find any of those three bits of punditry on YouTube, I'd be eternally grateful. Yeah, we do need to yeah, conduct a nationwide search. I That'd think be huge. calling calling all archivists out there. No way. No way. That no. Literally have tears in my eyes. I have oh tears my god! In my eyes at what is about to unfold. This. So it's what it's one of those. It's one of. I mean, yeah. this is incredible. Uh, this, is, this is absolutely amazing. I mean, the, 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 the Football Clichés wow. podcast ends after today, quite yeah. frankly. There's nothing left. This is from the post-match analysis of Nottingham Forest versus Bayern Munich. Oh, March wow. 1996. Dave, Q clip number one. Bayern played well in the second half, but it's so much easier to play when you're 3-0 up and 4-0 up. <laughs> on a wider context, I think it's bad news for the English game. Ah! <laughs> the results are <laughs> For me, it's a mockery of the people that I knew it. say that we've got the best league in the world. I knew it. Oh. I said in that episode when we talked about it, I bet I bet it's from a completely unrelated game to England. It's just someone's found a nice soundbite in a game and they thought, that's the one. That is amazing. Did, but does Jimmy Hill then go on to say, we'll go on getting bad results there? Or is that from something else? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, Dave. Does he go on to say Oh, it? my God. Let's find out. No. We get bad results yeah. I agree, I agree, uh, yeah. in the European Championship. We'll go on getting bad results in the future. <laughs> Ah, this is incredible. Oh, it's like fucking... It's lit- I mean, we are literally finding a sample from a song, but it's like finding a sample from a song. Fucking hell. Now, I mean, as I try and talk through the emotion of this, Charlie, I'd like to furnish you with the third and final sample from the intro to Three Lines, but I don't have it. I do not have it. The Trevor Brooking quote of we're not creative enough, we're not positive enough, is still out there in the wild. I don't know where it is. Don't know where it is. To complete that set. But it's nice to leave it hanging a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, that the mission goes on, but that, that's unbelievable. <laughs> that wraps up part one of our best of 2021 on the Football Clichés pod. Part two will be with you next week. Why, it's almost like a game of two halves. Merry Christmas, everyone. The Athletic.